Hi, it's Mike Edelhart. I'm here with another edition of Inception, our podcast and now videocast about beginnings, the beginnings of new companies, new ideas in science, uh, uh, sometimes even a little glimpse of the future. And today I think we're going to get some of all of that. I'm here with Quincy Lee from uh, Electric Era and it's great to see you. We can pretend like we haven't been talking every five minutes over the last week, but we have been talking a lot right, over right. the last week because <laughs> there's a lot going on. But great to have a chance to talk to you about something other than uh, all the ongoing business. Why don't you, we start by just having you explain what Electric Era is and how you came to um, be in the middle of uh, uh, sort of the, call it the new electricity revolution. Yeah, that sounds great. So, hey, everybody. Nice to meet you all. Yeah, my name is Quincy. Uh, I am the CEO and co-founder of Electric Era. Um, prior to Electric Era, I was at SpaceX for seven years as a mechanical engineer. Uh, at some at a given point in around 2018, I realized my calling was really, you know, shifting from focusing on orbital mechanics and space technologies back to the problems here on Earth that that we need to resolve associated with climate change. So, um, in 2020, I stepped away from SpaceX to found Electric Era. Um, Ele Electric Era sells a power management platform for EV fast charging stations. Um, we are focused on solving the, the power problem associated with EV fast charging stations. To put it in context, an EV fast charging station you know, consumes about a neighborhood's worth of power on one city block. Um, so that is a, a very tenuous, challenging thing for the grid to deal with. So our, our company develops technologies um, in the AI and storage space that allow EV fast charging stations to be built with less power in less time and to be operated at less cost. Um, we're, we're really hoping to unblock the final impediment for vehicle electrification, ubiquitous vehicle electrification to take off, which we really believe is uh, you know, ubiquitous and quality EV fast charging. Um, the cars are coming, <laughs> but we, we don't really have the refilling infrastructure in place to incentivize users to, uh, you know, drive electric vehicles. That's a, that's a pretty strong impediment as user research shows to purchasing a, an electric vehicle. It's kind of, it's kind of like what, um, you know, range anxiety was in 2012 or 2014, except for now the cars have great range, except for they don't really have any viable places to fill up outside of homes. And even that actually can be quite tedious and impeding for vehicle adoption because a lot of people don't have that option actually. So that's that's what Electric Air is doing um, and what we focus on as a company. Yeah, it's really exciting stuff, but for those that don't eat, sleep and breathe this kind of stuff, it may be a good idea to sort of break it down a little bit. So you just said the cars are coming. We believe the cars are coming, um, that it's essentially unavoidable. The government has said, not only ours, but pretty much every government, the car makers have said, this is what we're going to make. Uh, electric vehicles seem to be a certainty. Uh, and I know you agree with that. Uh, but any particular thoughts on when and, and how that may actually emerge? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, really, what, what it boils down to in, in our industry in the charging industry um, is finding the leading indicators of automotive electric vehicle production. Um, that's the, 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 the actual number one thing we looked at when we first started this company. We said, okay, are the cars really actually coming? 
So in order to figure out if, if that's um, actually viable and going to play out, you kind of had you kind of have to like look at what the major automotive companies are doing around the world. Um, so Tesla obviously started this whole movement and they demonstrated market viable electric vehicles and then they had an exploding market capitalization. And then that caused every other board of directors and executive in the automotive industry to take notice that, wow, there's a huge market premium associated with electric vehicles. So really starting in probably like 2016, 2017, the, the major automotive companies around the world started to say, okay, well, yes, we're going we're gonna to try electric vehicles. You know, we're going to dip our toes in. And then kind of almost in proportion with <laughs> Tesla's market cap, uh, the vocalization around planned production capacity by the automotive companies started to ramp up. And at this point, you know, there's been, a, there will be and has been um, a huge amount of investment by these automotive OEMs. I think around by 2030, there's expected to be half a trillion, or sorry, $500 billion of net investment by the automotive OEMs, both on R&D, but also just production capacity all the way down to battery cell manufacturing supply chains. That's at this point yielding production scaling and production ramp rates uh, for electric vehicles from companies like Ford and GM and Honda, Volkswagen, Mercedes-Benz, et cetera. All these companies are ramping up production. And uh, we, you know, most market reports indicate that there's going to be about 145 million electric vehicles on the roads globally by 2030. So there's this huge bolus of of, uh, production taking off. So there's a gigantic sucking noise at the front end yeah. of all this. All these cars and all these people wanting to go places in them. And we take for granted a nest of places to get your car filled up. But if you're not at home, your electric vehicle is going to need a whole new infrastructure. And there's two parts of it, as you talked about. One is having a place to do it. But the other is being able to do it quickly. So you can go into a gas station, fill up your car and be out again in three minutes, four minutes. You don't even think about it. Maybe 10 minutes if you got a real Yukon or something um, or a 16 wheeler. And with uh, electric vehicle charging right now, you could basically find a place to charge your car, plug your car in and go off and have a very nice life and come back um, uh, sometime later. Uh, before your car actually is all charged up. So it's both having a place to do it and doing it a lot faster. And that's what you guys are uh, focusing on. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I think of like my my parents often when I talk about this with people and I say, okay, well, is my, my dad and my mom going to completely rewrite their lifestyle to have an electric vehicle? Probably not. Probably the average American or average you know driver will not do the same thing. So we need to kind of gracefully scale uh, internal combustion engine automotive ownership experiences into EV automotive ownership experiences so that it's more available and more readily adoptable by the masses. And really, as you said, the right way to do that is to have, you know, ubiquitous, high quality, fast charging where people can kind of swing in, fill up, grab a latte, and then be on their, be on their way with an extra 150 miles of range or 200 miles of range right. in 10 to 15 minutes. That has to happen. Because, you know, ultimately people aren't going to really want to rewire their entire existence just to own an EV like early adopters were willing right. to do. So we are solving the, the infrastructural problem associated with making that happen. Right. And so to do that, are you making better batteries? 
Are you making smarter batteries? Are you making something entirely separate uh, from batteries uh, to accomplish being able to do this so much faster? Yeah. So when we first started the company, we realized, hey, there's this huge peak power problem and the grid is not equipped to deal with it. And, you know, as I said earlier, this is a neighborhood's worth of power or a skyscraper's worth of power on one city block. So you need to be able to source that power to a car in a short amount of time during certain moments of the day uh, without breaking the without breaking the grid. And in order to do that, you know, one, you have to kind of re-engineer batteries from the ground up and shift their engineering architecture uh, from what has traditionally been done, which is long duration focused batteries, four hours, eight hours, 12 hours, um, to short duration, fast transient batteries. So not as fast as a supercapacitor, but you know somewhere between 20 to 30 to 40 minutes, which is quite fast for a lithium ion battery to fully discharge and ultimately creates a lot of heat. So our company um, you know, and our, our founders and our engineering team started to work on that problem and ultimately realized there's a lot of heat that's generated and you need to reject that heat from the battery cell so the battery cell can be safe and not overheat and ultimately not have parasitic side reactions at, due to elevated temperatures if you want to operate a battery at such extreme discharge levels. So we, we started off with making a series of innovations in the heat management uh, and heat rejection realm of battery modules and battery packs. So essentially we, we you know, quickly reject the heat out of a battery cell during usage. Uh, and then the second challenge therein is, okay, do that for as little as cost as possible because you can't have a wildly expensive product if you want wide ubiquitous adoption. So we then went back in, to the drawing boards to figure out how to do this as efficiently and, and capitally intensive or capitally efficiently as possible. So, you know, taking the product at the same performance level, but stripping out costs. And at this point, you know, we've, we've demonstrated uh, a viable battery that does have these performance, this, this desired performance while also being able to have up to 5,000 cycles of life. And, and in a lot of cases more, um, so that you know we can have this product on every street corner at in uh, for the future to come in conjunction with that though we've had to create a series of artificial intelligent um, platforms that allow us to predict and react to requested car power and that's the kind of second phase that the company underwent to pull this technology all together and just again to sort of translate that into semi-layman ease that means you're going to try and predict how many cars you're going to have soon so that you can capture in advance the power you need so that if 100 cars show up all at once, you're not sucking so much out of the grid because the whole neighborhood to come down, then everybody gets mad and uh, this isn't good. Yeah, that's that's right. So sim simply put, basically, if you know when the cars are going to come, you can operate the batter battery discharge strategy more intelligently and you can prevent the battery from running out. Um, and if you also know when the cars are coming, you can use the battery to create additional revenue from other things like grid services while, while there's no cars being served or while there's a low enough amount of cars being served. So just having clairvoyance into the future, this is, this is actually true of most artificial intelligence applications is like just having general clairvoyance into the future allows you to be a lot smarter in the present. Yep. And, and we, we eke efficiencies out of that clairvoyance.
So um, for you guys going to market, how will this actually work? So people listening to this, how will they actually uh, see um, Electric Era first, experience this? If they've got an EV, they're going, yay. When yeah. will this be in their neighborhood? What neighborhoods will it be in Perth? That kind of thing. Yeah, so after the initial excitement of operating what essentially is a roller coaster of an automotive automotive experience, um, you know, you'll inevitably go to a fast charging station and you'll interact with an electric era enabled charging station. So our company um, operates the power management services of the of the fast charging station. So um, when you go and you fill up, you're probably going to be at a gas station or a convenience store pl plugging in. And the electricity that's going into your car is controlled and optimized by the Electric Era power management platform. So everything is kind of behind the scenes, um, taking care of these like highly variable and dynamic and transient loads that ultimately end up when in, in electricity in your automobile in your in your EV. Um, so it's it's kind of like a hidden behind the scene, scenes type thing. And and basically, most customers won't know that they're filling up at an electric air charging station, but the the low cost of electricity and the quality experience will will be the primary indicator of it. So how'd you come to be into this? And how'd you come to be into space science? Now, at SpaceX, you are the on the ground guy for a get them up into orbit company. But, um, you know, I we talk a lot about, well, it's rocket science. It's not rocket science. You actually did rocket science. So. Um, uh, uh, when little Quincy was growing up, were these your boyhood dreams or did you just uh, come upon this uh, because uh, now's the time or what? Yeah, I, I think um, so. When I when I was a young boy, I, I did love playing with Legos and uh, was actually, you know, quite adventurous and always outside um, running around. But really, my boyhood dreams were, were becoming an Olympic athlete. I was a, a swimmer, I swam in college. I was an American, all-American athlete. Uh, and it really wasn't until I was a junior in college where I, I realized, okay, swimming's about to end. I'm not going to go to the Olympics. I, uh, I got to put on, I got to put the cape down and put on a different hmm. cape. And my heart really was kind of always in technology. Um, so I, I got an engineering degree in college uh, and knew that I wanted to advance the status quo of the world through technical innovations, because really that's how most of societal advancements have come from, you know, from the time we first learned how to make a wheel and fire and a, a lever to hum humanity and civilization created value and surplus for society through technical innovations. And I, I didn't, you know, think about it like that back then, but now realizing it in the past, that's kind of what drove me to go into this um, realm of the world. Uh, I, I, in undergrad, also got a, a minor in nuclear engineering and kind of fell in love with energy economics at that point. Um, and then I ended up having an opportunity to interview at SpaceX and I got the job and, and just like kind of pivoted and worked on space technology for seven years. Um, but always in the back of my head was that love of uh, energy economics and power and energy. And I just kind of followed the electrification movement from its origins. Uh, and I just remember being super excited when I saw my first Tesla in like 2012 or 2013, because I knew that was the future, right? So 2018 came around and I had that realization that if we really wanted to solve climate, it was going to be, it ultimately would require rapid and urgent course correction from the private sector. There's agendas and climate targets, climate carbon emission targets being put out by the government, but you know, really it's the private sector that was going to go do the dirty work. So started kind of noodling in my free time about how to 
effectuate change and eventually came up with um, this idea and went in and jumped ship from SpaceX uh, and came back down to Earth and started working on this problem. Got it. And you talked a little bit a minute ago about sort of grid services. And it's one of the, I think, most interesting aspects for us about what you're doing because you're pulling power off the grid, but you got yeah. all these batteries. And if you don't need that power right now, and the grid does all the air conditioners, whatever, there's a fire or something, you can actually help restabilize the grid. So there's a very natural symbiosis where you're taken from the grid, but you can actually help uh, the grid deal with its own issues. And we both know the grid, at least in the United States, hell, it's as creaky as I am, probably just about <laughs> as old as I am too, maybe even older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, yeah, that's that's exactly right. It is, it is like the most important backbone technology of society when you really think about it. Because, you know, if electricity goes down, you know, you're not connecting to your Wi-Fi, you're not on the internet, the internet doesn't matter at that point. So you really, you really have to do a good job with the electrical grid. Um, and yes, we basically are able to take the aggregated load from a fast charging station and bid it into the energy storage marketplaces that exist and monetize that in the form of, you know, a demand response event or a reserve capacity call or a frequency regulation call that's lucrative. Um, so there's this give and take with the grid and ultimately, I think that's a good thing because it leads to a decentralized and distributed energy resource apparatus. So uh, it means that there's ample opportunities for load to be injected into and pulled off the grid from a variety of different sources. That's fraught with challenges. That's a very challenging thing to do, but I think it's what the future of the grid will look like, to be honest. Um, and we happen to be able to monetize that quite well. Um, all this has kind of come off the liberalization of the energy marketplaces that I actually don't know quite when that started, but it really got a strong boost in I think around 2018 when the Federal Energy Regulatory Committee started passing a series of liberalizations, uh, measures and deregulations of the marketplaces. So we're following in the tailwinds of that and are able to create a lot of value for our customers. So uh, we think the whole world of energy is going to be uh rather fundamentally transformed over the next decade or so, uh, and that you guys are out on the vanguard uh, of all this. So, uh, you know, I love this topic. You love this topic. We could talk all day, but we should probably not talk all day. So just one last question between now and say a year from now, if we got back together to talk again, what's going to happen with the electric era? What's it going to look like? Yeah, it's, it's going to look quite different. So, you know, over the next year, we're completing product certification and in starting to install first customer units and then are really ramping up production of our battery systems and our software systems. So at that point, really working to install tens of units per month and then 20 and 30 units per month and then scaling from there. You know, the, the vision of the future that we have is being, you know, the energy brain of all EV fast charging stations across the grid and in effect creating a, a nationwide virtual power plant. So that's really what we're excited about and working towards. Um, and this global energy transition is what's enabling us to go and install these incredibly valuable and yeah, ultimately valuable energy storage systems and AI software across the electrical grid. Well, can't wait to see what happens next. Um, it's uh, exciting to be part of it. We think it's 
very much part of our health and happiness focus in that a healthier planet, a happier person, able to get around and do what they want to do in life without feeling like they're uh, part of uh, plundering the planet to, to do so. Yeah, that's exactly right. We're excited to have you as part of the journey. Happy to be here. We'll do it again next year. Thanks. Perfect. Take care.